Okay, so today we're with uh, Robert Heinrich and David Palmer of SynPay. And uh, guys, thank you for uh, joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for having us. Thanks, buddy. Sure. So um, I was wondering, maybe just to start off, if you could, you know, maybe give us a little background about yourselves, how you got into merchant services, how long you've been doing it, and what brought you to SynPay. And if you just uh, maybe... Uh, Robert, if you can start, that probably would be a good way just so everybody knows which voice is which. You bet. Yeah, this is Robert Heinrich here. So in, in 2000, I worked at Task Technology where I was selling POS equipment, supplies, and deployment services to the MLS, the ISOs, and the processors. In 2004, when first data purchased Task Technology, I was recruited by a client of mine where I became the national sales manager, where I was recruiting and educating ISOs and MLS to resell services. In 2006, I was recruited by Lazarus, who is the uh, founder and the CEO of Simte, to become the VP of sales. And this is where I'm currently uh, employed and been employed for the past 12 years. Uh, in merchant services, that's a long, that's, that's a long time. Yeah. Yep. And David, would you like to give us a little thumbnail on you? Sure. I'm Dave Palmer. Uh, for the past couple of decades, I've been working in a variety of industries, helping make smaller companies become bigger. Uh, I joined Simpe about two years ago, and uh, Laz uh, brought in because at that time, uh, we were in the middle of a, uh, building the new brand identity as Simpe, rather than the original AlphaCard services that mm -hmm. uh, the company started as in the year 2000. And my marketing background, branding initiative, uh, growth communications, and all that uh, good stuff was what the team wanted to bring forward. And uh, I saw an amazing opportunity to build something brand new and special. And I moved from uh, my consulting position to a corporate position, which shocked me because I never thought I'd go back to corporate. But I got so excited about what <laughs> uh -huh. we're doing here that I made the jump. That's great. Well, that's 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 really cool. Actually, you sort of that's a great uh, segue because I wanted to ask you all if you would maybe focus a little bit on your rebranding. I mean, you know, Simpay did begin li life as I recall as Alpha Card and focused primarily on card acceptance, uh, but you've kind of expanded out on that. Can you maybe explain uh, to our listeners the factors that led to you this rebranding and the branching out into into a, 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 you know corollary services? In uh, ACS, or Alpha Card Services, was founded in 2000. We were an ISO providing payment processing solutions to the SMB market. Over the years, we were very successful at uh, providing uh, payment processing solutions, but one thing became very clear. We were very unhappy with the services that we had outsourced to other companies. Mm. The services that we outsourced did not meet our level of expectation. And, and what, can, comes first. So what, what types of services, if you would just wouldn't mind elaborating? Yeah, so 2011, uh, we started the payroll division. Uh -huh. uh, we were outsourcing our payroll, you know, to ADP, Paychex, the big guys, and nobody can get it right. Mm. And so we started doing payroll in-house. And over the years, as we perfected the payroll services, we then launched in 2011, hey, why don't we provide these services to all of our merchants who are probably having the exact same problems that we were having. Sure. <laughs> and thus, in 2011 is when we, uh, we released it to the resellers. And then in 2012, we released our POS division um, to our resellers as it's just another value-added solution that we can do a better job supporting than any other of our vendors. So in essence, by taking these services in-house, 
we're able to retain more customers due to our superior support staff, and also it never incre- uh, never hurts to increase revenue streams by bringing these services. In-house. Sure. You know, just one one and question. If I could ask one question, I'm just kind of curious. So you mentioned about the payroll processing, which is a really interesting mix. Do you find that your your uh, sales agents are they leading off with payroll processing more often than not? Is it about an even split, or is it still a focus on payment processing? And then you know, hey, we also have payroll. Or have you found there's like a lead in there? Yeah, great question. And that being said, is my recommendation is to always lead with with payroll. You know, merchants are getting prospected. 10, 20, 30 times a month about I can sure. lower your rate and I can lower your rate. Right. That's, the, that's the race to the bottom. And nobody's talking about payroll services. Usually the payroll providers aren't talking to the merchants until October, November to change over in right. January for the payroll services. So you obviously have less competition there. So I always recommend to leave with payroll services. But again, every sales agent is going to be a little bit different. Of course. If they're not as comfortable. Right. Maybe selling payroll services. They may be leading with uh, with payroll services, but you want to speak to that merchant. What's their pain point, right? right. Whatever that pain point may be, that's where you want to focus in on. And then maybe you can talk about different products and services after you focus in on that pain point. Yeah, and it's really interesting, too, because the payroll processing in my experience, really opens up a lot of other verticals where, you know, normally a, a merchant services rep isn't going to talk to, for instance, a factory or even maybe a hotel. It would be a little bit of a tougher challenge, but, though, you know, they have those bodies, they have those employees there. And so a lot of times, even a pizza shop where they have a lot of part-time people, it's like sometimes that payroll processing can be a better lead-in in those situations than the credit card processing because that's just not a big pain point for them. Absolutely. You know, payroll is more than just paying the employees. What yeah. are you doing for timekeeping, mm-hmm. right? If you're, yep. you're not documenting the timekeeping, that's a huge liability for the small and medium business owners. What about an HR, HR staff? You right. know, a lot of these smaller right. merchants don't have an HR staff. Well, we have an HR portal that can help you with those services. Interesting. You know, one of the things I'd like to share is uh, the payroll is usually not something that uh, people are talking about with their current clientele either. So the MLS uh, people can go back to people who already built a trust and expectance of high-quality products and say, by the way, can we talk about X? And being able to bring something new to the table that they currently don't have in their product portfolio can be a quick way to build uh, additional revenues uh, because you're a trusted resource for sure. your current clientele. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's very, that's very important. What would you guys say? I mean, what, what in your experience, and obviously you both have been in, involved in this for quite some time, what are, the, what are the pain points, you know, the most pressing issues facing ISOs and MLSs today? Well, I think first and foremost is the revenue, right? Mm-hmm. So pricing, margins keep shrinking, and so today everybody's selling on price. Right. And that's just the race to the bottom. We all lose by reducing our costs and our fees. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what are you going to do to make up that lost income? You know, one way is to sell a different products and services such sure. as cable and POS. Right. Right. Another way is to sell on value, you know, um, by making the merchant's life easier. You know, this this will be obvious, you know, we'll, from merchant to merchant, and uh, you need to ask the right questions to understand their business practice. You know, what are their pain points again? And how can we relieve those pain points? Right. In order to solve their problems, you need to be able to sell multiple products and services. And then again, price is no longer a factor. 
Right, right. And so giving them a, a, a larger array of products and services, you know, allows them to, to build stronger books is what you're saying. Yeah, so, you know, again, maybe they're not keeping timekeeping, you mm-hmm, know, and, mm-hmm. you know, and educating them on, you know, that's a liability, you know. If somebody claims, hey, you only paid me for 40 hours, I actually worked 60 hours last week. And if nothing's documented and they go to the labor board, they're going to lose uh, that lo- that lawsuit. And yeah, so you need sure. to document and it's how many hours each and every employee is uh, is working on a weekly, bi-weekly, or, or a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. So you can prove all that stuff in the court of law. You know, human resources is another huge topic, too, as well. Right. You know, do you have an employee handbook? You know, what are policies and procedures here for your employees? Do you have all that stuff that's documented? Right. You want if to I could. that business. Go ahead, David. If I could, uh, what Robert is, is touching on is something that the Simpe team is really excited about because if we uh, bring a, a new agent on board, not only do we show them, teach them about the product, but we also teach about the impact the product can deliver on the merchant. Robert was just talking about understanding the business. We're talking about the impacts. Look at what happens if, and here's what, how we're going to stop X. Uh, a lot of times, uh, many people sell their products and features and some benefits and you know cost savings and a little time reduction. Let's get to the business impacts of solutions A, B, and C. And I think uh, the MLS uh, crew will find better results by leading with impact, not just facts and, and features. Good so, point. Yeah. So is 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 that is that one of the one of the things that you 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 would say sets Simpay uh, apart from others in the merchant services space? I mean, you know, sort of helping agents uh, build strong books. You know. I know that you and I talked. Uh, actually, we we I met uh, both David and uh, Robert at the NEAA show last month, and I know you were talking a lot about tools and training. Could you maybe uh, speak to that in terms of how you uh, help your merchants and what sets you apart, or what you feel sets you apart from the others? Yeah. So that being said, it's, it's a unique conversation to have with each and every sales rep, right? Uh, I got to ask those questions, you know. Um, where are you at? Where do you want to be? Mm-hmm. Are you currently a one-man operation? Do you want to have a sales force underneath you? You know. So, what's your vision? Where do you want to go? You know. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Um, you know, education is extremely important in this industry, and I believe that we're severely undereducated. And always have been that way. Yes. And I yes. tried to educate. You know, that is extremely important. How are you going to be able to recommend a product or a service to a merchant? if you don't know all your products and services, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, reading a merchant statement is very important, obviously. Mastering interchange and understanding interchange is important. Um, you know, building a proposal to be able to show a savings or what your current costs are or what we're going to be able to, to, to provide for uh, your future costs. You know, but training on products and services is extremely important. Finding that pay point, how can I make that life of that business owner much simpler, you know, so whether it's going to be product and service training, uh, payroll training, uh, payment processing, gift and loyalty, POS, all that stuff you have to be able to master, and it's continual training. You're not going to master everything all at once and continue to keep educating yourself on new products yeah. and services on an ongoing basis. So, so in terms of that, so, so just set this up for me if you, if you don't mind. I mean, a new agent comes to Simpay. 
what, you give them sort of a basic training package and then uh, constantly update that? Is that how you, is that what you're saying? Yeah, so we give them the basic training package. We have a back office portal uh, where they can see all their merchant information, uh, submit uh, merchant applications, see some data, um, product selects, all that kind of good stuff for them. But then again, we're going to want to do, okay, where are you at now? Uh, and where do you need to be? How good are you at reading statements, right? We need to do some customized training for you to go over statements, the different type of statements that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're going to, all right, uh, how do you put this stuff on a proposal? We have a nice professional proposal we'll put that stuff into, okay? Well, what products and services are you currently selling now? And what do you need to be selling uh, to all your target markets here as well? So it's a one-on-one conversation mm-hmm. uh, that we need to have, and everybody's in a different point um, in their training uh, of the merchant services industry. I've talked to people that have been in the industry for two years that know quite a bit. Right. I've talked to people who've been in the industry for 15 years and don't know a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody's a little bit different. Um, and again, it's a one-on-one conversation, and we want to find their weak points, and we want to strengthen those. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So um, tell me, um, what, are, what are some of the other tools that you, that, you, that you bring to the table? Well, I think first and foremost is service, which sets us apart from any of uh, our competitors out there today. Uh-huh. That's why we brought a lot of these services in-house. We were outsourcing them to other companies. And we didn't like the way they were servicing us or the end user, the customer. So we brought that stuff in-house. So we're kind of control freaks because we can service our clients better, which helps us retain accounts Mm -hmm. uh, in the long term. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously we're selling a lot more products, offer a lot more products in our competition, right? We're more than just payment processing. We have our own point-of-sale software for restaurants. We have one for retail uh, locations, and we also have one for beauty salons. Okay, okay. Payroll services, uh, as we talked about, we offer gift and loyalty programs. Mm-hmm. We have real tra- uh, real-time real transactional data, so a merchant will be able to view this information within seconds after running the transaction. And we also offer, you know, cash advance and loan products as well. Right, sure. That, that being a very important thing. What yeah, are the, if I, no, go ahead. No, you go ahead, David. Uh, I'm sorry. There are also a few... Uh, variations and some of the things that we can offer that others can't. It's not It's not just the breadth of portfolio, it's also a depth. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a, a robust POS solution and a, and a lighter weight POS solution for uh, restaurants or facilities that don't need as much setup, prep, sure. and command and control. Uh, in our payroll, for instance, uh, we cater to the 3 to 103 employee company. Mm-hmm. We have dedicated payroll specialists. We understand how a small business thinks. So these are some of the other tools, if you will, and I mean that in a broad sense. It's not just sure. this being a function, but we will share this as a sales perspective that the agent can use when he or she walks into a merchant and says, paychecks, don't you talk to a different person every time you have a problem? Right, yeah. You know, and we can, so you got one person here with, my, with the company I represent, Sinpay. They're going to know you. They're going to be proactive. We have wonderful testimonials on our website about companies who said it's like having additional staff without the overhead because Mm -hmm. they work so well with us. Mm -hmm. So those are the kinds of things we'll equip an agent with to go in the field to uh, close business. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really good. It sounds like you guys have some really interesting solutions. One one question I had was, you know, a lot of agents haven't embraced some of the things like payroll and specifically like point-of-sale systems largely because – you know, when you sell credit card processing to a small mom and pop shop, you know, you go in there, uh, you know, you plug in their new VX 520 and you're on your way. 
obviously point of sale systems and even payroll processing is a little bit more involved. How do you guys handle that? What, what is your pitch to the agent as far as is your pitch basically, you know, become the POS expert and do these installations yourself and, and that's the value or is it more, you know, we take care of that and take a lot of it off your shoulders so you can continue to just make sales? Like what are you, what's your philosophy on that? Great question. You know, we off, actually offer both for the POS, but the majority of the times is if a merchant's interested in point of sale, they want us to demo the software right. uh, for the merchant via webinar. Okay. Uh, we fully support all of our software from staging uh, the hardware to training the merchant to installing the merchant's location to also providing ongoing support uh, for as long as they have that point of sale software. So if they have That's questions great. on that software, they need updates. Uh, yeah. Make pricing changes. We support all that stuff in house. So, but we also support those people that uh, hey, I want to be able to sell it myself. I need my own demo license, and I want to provide it to the merchant and demo it for them and sell it to the merchant. But I want you guys to support it uh, from a sure. technical support standpoint. So they mm-hmm. want they want to control the sales it, it process dovetails. and then turn it over. Yeah, it dovetails with our brand identity for the mm-hmm. agent. How do you? like to sell how do you like to earn we'll work with you to match your style and needs Hmm. that's awesome yeah good stuff so so uh guys i i was when i was looking at your website after we met i something that really jumped out at me um was your data breach insurance program you know data breaches are a big concern for merchants as well as for their customers as well as for everybody in the payment space really um, can you discuss, can you describe for us how that data breach insurance program works? I mean, because this is something that I don't see a whole lot of. I see it more often now, but um, this is one of the first ISOs I've seen it with. So I'd really be interested in, in, in how that works. Yeah, so that, that being said, again, it, it all ties into education. Mm-hmm. PCI compliance right. is extremely important. And I don't see a lot of merchants being educated on PCI compliance no. and, and why it's important, mm-hmm. right? If, if you have a data breach, you can and probably will lose your business depending on the size of that data breach. Sure. So we got to protect that card data information. So sure. education is the key. And we partnered with uh, Control Scan. We have a very user-friendly uh, uh, merchant portal where it helps them fill out their self-assessment questionnaire. And if a merchant's processing the uh, IT connectivity, it also... Uh, set up those scans they can do on a, on a daily basis, weekly, monthly, or quarterly basis. Uh-huh. And then part of that program, we are, it's an optional program. If they want to purchase uh, data breach insurance, we cover them for up to $100,000 in data breach coverage. Is that per breach? Or is that lifetime? That is per breach, yes. Okay. Per breach. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, that's pretty significant. Although I imagine if somebody had one breach, they're probably going to be pretty careful not to have another one. That's not the best experience. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know... You can always, uh, you, you know, never know. You never know. I mean, <laughs> what is it that we say about auto insurance? You know, you have auto insurance until you have an accident, right? Right. You don't need it until you get an accident. So, yeah. Or they say that about life insurance, too, as well. You wish you would have had it, you know. Right. When the time comes, right? Right, yeah, exactly. right. Well, this has been really enlightening. Yeah, um, really cool stuff. You guys have a great program there, it sounds like. Yeah, it sounds very interesting. I'd, I'd like to know, uh, you know, sort of. Maybe a, a, a sort of an all-encompassing uh, pitch, if you could give us a, a, a for why you think uh, an agent might want to work with uh, PaySim versus somebody else. Yeah. So, so that being said, is obviously we offer uh, array of products and services um, that uh, far exceeds any of our competitors out there. But what we really do more than anything else is we're going to support you, the sales rep, 
and or the merchant better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and that being said is we want to help you grow your business as we're helping you grow your business in turn. We're also growing our business too as well. Right, right. Well, that's great. So where would agents go uh, to learn more about SimPay and potentially working with you all? And so that being said, they can visit our website at www.simpay.net. That's S-I-M-P-A-Y dot net. Okay. Awesome. You can also, if, if you'll, you'll be able to call the 800 number, our toll-free number, or uh, go to the website and, you know, click through. We uh, would love to talk with anybody directly. Not a problem. So the 800 number is 866-253-2227? Yes, okay. That's excellent. Well, thank you, thank Thanks, you, guys. Robert. Thank you, David. This has been really enlightening. I, uh, I, I think, uh, I think our our listeners will find some really good grist for the mill here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, have a great day now. This is the Insiders Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by GreenSheet.com, a premier resource for the electronic payments industry. The Green Sheet has been on the beat since 1983, always focused on boosting the feet on the street in our evolving sphere. Today I'd like to offer some observations and insights on contactless payments. You know, James, there's been a lot of talk around contactless payments, particularly with the newest generation of smartphones. Yep. But efforts to promote contacts, p- contactless payments actually predate the advent of smartphones. Back in the 1990s, leading hardware manufacturers, including Verifone, acquires, most notably First Data, and the card brands began actively pursuing alternative form factors for making payments. Payment fobs were an early example. These could be tapped against a POS device to affect payments. They did a lot with uh, pay at the pump, didn't they? Mm-hmm. A lot of the gas stations were using those. Right. I remember that. And they were also were using it in um, sports stadiums. Oh, sure, yeah. To get right? your drink or get your, your hot drink, dog or whatever. Make it yeah. quicker, right? Sure. And as a matter of fact, I heard that um, at the Super Bowl this year, there were uh, it wasn't fobs they were using phones of course well of course but they had half of the half of the concession stands were were equipped with contactless t- really? uh, devices really like like QR code type scanners or something they else? were um, most of them were well I believe they could do either key, they could do both QR right as well as the um, tap tap oh really like an NFC like an NFC hmm, right okay which I thought I mean when I saw that in you know in the in the news reports afterwards it was like oh that's interesting yeah. I mean here we are. 20-some-odd years later, we're <laughs> still trying to do that, you know? Yeah. But, you know, also in the 90s, we first we saw the first iterations of contactless cards. Uh, the most notable example of these were uh, mass transit and relied on either NFC, which, of course, is near-field communications, mm-hmm. or uh, radio frequency identification, RFID. Mm-hmm. Um, technologies and using these specially issued uh, cards with NFC or RFID chips, a subway rider, for example, uh, waves the card near a turnstile to gain entry. The card um, reads the, the reads the card. You know, the card gets read. Mm-hmm. Uh, the necessary funds are debited. Right. And um, you know, they move on. It, it's it's very similar to the Easy Passes. I don't know mm-hmm. if you have them here yeah, in Pennsylvania. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Right. Um, so more recently, we've seen the you know we've seen with the proliferation of smartphones that support tap and go payments, sure, like Apple Pay. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've yet to see a groundswell of adoption. Uh, I don't know about you, but I can count on one hand how many times I've seen someone tap their phone to make a payment. That is outside of television. 
Right. And I mean, I think, you know, obviously, I'm sure our listeners in, you know, Manhattan or L.A. or sure. Dallas, maybe they would Miami. say they've seen it more. Right. Sure. We're, we're both. I mean, you're in Maryland. I'm in Pennsylvania. We're kind of rural. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, and honestly, the places where I've seen it have been Miami and New York. Right. Right. It's when you're traveling. When that I'm you traveling see it. that I sure. see it. Right. Sure. Now, a, 19, a 2017 study uh, by J.P. Morgan Chase uh, found just 16 percent of U.S. consumers had ever used a tap and go payment. And 46% of the consumers that were surveyed said they just prefer using their cards. Yeah, the 16% actually surprises me as being high. I thought so as well. <laughs> and, and in fact... And again, that, that probably goes to metropolitan areas, though, again, right? Again, right? It, yeah. It, it skews that Much way. higher saturation there. And, uh, you know, first Annapolis, in fact, conducted a survey back in 2017 where they found that just 8% of Americans were using Apple Pay and 6% Samsung Pay. Yeah. So that's even a little lower. Right. And again, you, know, you think about it, J.P. Morgan Chase, of course, they're a New York bank. They have right. a lot of presence in big sure. urban areas. So. Sure. Um, now, Root Metrics, which we know is a uh, company that that um, tallies metrics regarding po- mobile usage. Okay. Um, they, they did a survey last year that revealed you know, that Americans are becoming ever more dependent on their mobile devices to stay connected. More than two-thirds, I thought this was interesting, check their mobiles within 10 minutes of waking up each day. Hmm. And about half of them said that they feel insecure when they're in a mobile dead zone. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Which, funny. actually, I can t- kind of understand traveling, you know. And you know, it's so funny. Yesterday, I left the house, and um, for whatever reason, last night, my charger at my house didn't work. Mm-hmm. And so, or no, two nights ago. And so um, I get up, I have like, you know, 2% oh. when I grab, but I didn't grab my phone until I was leaving the house. Right. So I get in the, in the van and I'm just freaking out. Like, what if my phone dies? And then I don't know, I need to call somebody or whatever. Right. And it was just so funny, that feeling of like, wow, total helplessness. And then I remembered, oh wait, my Apple watch connects to my AirPods. <laughs> so I'm texting people and calling from my Apple watch. And I'm like, wow, this is an amazing world that we live in. Isn't you know? that amazing? I mean, I wouldn't uh, have even thought of that, but I do yeah. always look at your Apple watch. Well, so. My Apple watch has a little thing now too, where you can even do like, you know, voice to text mm-hmm. and you know, you could actually take calls like speakerphone, but I have my AirPods and they just suck. So yeah, I make calls just in Texas, like everything else. I was like, "Oh, I'm good. Never mind." <laughs> so, so I'm curious though, with the with that um, mm-hmm. watch, do you have to plug that in regularly? Yeah, so it charges a couple times. And, and the funny thing is, too, you can also do Apple Pay um, through the with watch. The watch, sure, yeah. right? I know right. that. I've heard, I've heard about that. Yep. So, so, how often do you have to charge the watch? Oh, every two days. Okay. Okay. Not as bad as a phone, but pretty close. Yeah. Okay. So, well, anyway, I I think that um, one reason. Okay, so. Just to back to go back to the right. metrics thing. Okay, so as wet as we are, you know, to our mobiles. Right. And they found that 45% of consumers do use their mobiles to shop. And I see a lot right. of people, of course, you know, shopping. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to paying, they still pay, pull out their cards. Yeah. You know? Right. And I think one reason for this is the lack of consumer benefits. Mm-hmm. You know, while tap and go payments are faster. What's what's you know a nanosecond yeah. in the grand to the average consumer right right, right. Um, you know a study uh, Mercator Advisory Services did mm-hmm. a study that they just released a couple weeks ago that said seventy percent of consumers told them they would jump on the contactless bandwagon mm-hmm. if doing so resulted in automatic rewards or discounts sure and that's I think a big deal you know so then it comes down to why would a merchant do that right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it's, we're sort of in an impasse. Yeah, I think. you're in a chicken or egg problem. Yeah, yeah. And I think the potential bright spot, of course, is millennials. 
Of course. You know, uh, while significant share, 36% total root metrics, they don't think these apps are all that convenient. 16% said they'd avoid, they would avoid shopping at a store that didn't offer it. Yeah. So I think that that's, uh, you know, an important consideration. You know, none of this obviously is to suggest contactless payments are a dud. You know, uh, um, PaySafe did a survey recently where they found, uh, you know, that there is some, some momentum for contactless payments. 37% of U.S. businesses currently have the necessary systems in place to accept contactless payments, while 23% expect to have that by about 2020. Right. But that's, that's, a, that's a significant number. That's a significant number, but also most of the new terminals that are coming out these days right, are ready to go. Are ready to go. Right. Or, so, or at least they could be ready to go. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, just a few minor sure. tweaks. So in my mind, there are obvious applications that I think are well-suited to contactless payments, particularly in high-traffic situations like mass transit, sports stadiums, and, of course, coffee shops. Sure. I mean, because, mm -hmm. you know, we've seen that. Um, the thing to remember about payments is that nothing ever goes away. You know, the ACH and later debit cards were supposed to eliminate the use of checks, but we still write billions of checks a year collectively. Uh, credit and debit cards were supposed to eliminate cash. But the typical American still carries with them about $50 in cash, according to the Fed. Yep. So I think we can expect to see the same with tap-and-go payments. They may sure. not replace, but they're going to coexist with more traditional ways of paying. Yeah. You know, and perhaps with time, we'll see them evolve to become something more prevalent in the payments mix. And I personally, I think where we're really going to see any kind of traction is going to be in um, – Small dollar purchase environments where speed is of the essence. Sure. Yeah, you know what's interesting? Um, I have a lot of thoughts about this, actually. And today, actually, the uh, I won't steal my own thunder because the questions for the field, I'm talking about selling, using contactless payments as a sales method. Okay, cool. But um, I wanted to talk about um, Dunkin' Donuts. Uh-huh. I've talked about it before on here. Um, well, you know, I stopped on my way here this morning there because... You go. Did you use the Dunkin' Donuts app? No, I didn't. Now, see? You, yeah. You're missing out. So, you know. I had to convince them to make my smoothie, so I was <laughs> <a little> more. <laughs> Well, to me, I think the Dunkin' Donuts app really is a good representation of how contactless payments can really take off. Uh huh. Um, it, it represents a couple things. Number one, it's a QR code. Right. And Which is so much easier. It's so much easier because consumers, even though it, it almost seems a little archaic, you know, like, mm -hmm. like really? Like, we have like, NFC, we have Bluetooth beacons. Do we need the. Do we need you know, these codes? that are like 20 years old. And right. They, you know. But you know, the thing about it is customers understand it. Yes. My wife, who is not the, the tech guru, um, every time she does Dunkin' Donuts, she just pulls out, as soon as you pull up the app, just when you click on the app, the screen that opens has the QR code on it. Oh, wow. She just taps on the app, turns it, and there's a little QR code scanner at the window, the drive-thru window. Right. And the guy turns it, scans it, and then she already has money loaded into her app. Uh-huh. Um, and then she gets her reward points that tracks everything for her on the app. Interesting. And so to me, I think the key takeaway there is I think that everybody is trying to make this universal contactless payment method like an Apple Pay. Yeah. And I think what consumers really want is a customized individual contactless connection to a specific store that they frequent often. I agree. I you agree. know, because yeah. that's where, again, you mentioned the reward points and things like that. Right. You know, Apple Pay isn't offering reward points because they can't. They're not. They're there for everybody. Right. And I think what consumers really want is a, is a you know, a direct connection. Um, the other the other observation I have that I was thinking about as you were doing that is, you know, 
the the big problem, and, and I'm all about the convenience. I mean, if there's mm-hmm. something I can do on my phone, I want to do it on my phone. Sure. I mean, you know, you mentioned like so many Americans now shop on their phone. I've gotten to the point that I almost shop exclusively on my phone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Literally. No, I, I like, know people like you who, you know, I'll be, I'll be, oh, let's go see, and I'll go in my, pull up my laptop, and by the time I get my laptop out, uh, they already have it up on their phone. By the time you get your laptop up, I already have it shipped to my house. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. I'm using the one swipe thing on Amazon or something. You right, know what I mean? Like right. so I think um I think that's but here's the thing. The reason I don't do Apple Pay and all that is because no one has figured out how to actually replace my wallet yet. Yes. If I could get rid of this bulge in mm-hmm. the back of my pants that mm-hmm. I have to sit on every day mm-hmm. and I could put it in my phone, of course. But here's the thing. I still need my driver's license. Right. I still want my few photos that are in there. Right. Um, I still need somewhere to put all my different credit cards because now all of them work with Apple Pay. And also things like... Uh, I always have to have in my wallet my my insurance card. What happens if I'm in an accident? Exactly. I need to have my insurance card, right. right? So I think I think that you know I think somebody needs to get a little bit more of a uh, you know some innovators need to get a broader view of this. Mm-hmm. Of it's not about just contactless payments. It's about con- It's about wireless wallet. Yes. And so somebody needs to make the wireless wallet app or whatever where. You know, you'd have to work with law enforcement agencies because mm-hmm. they have to be able to accept this form of ID. Mm-hmm. Um, the insurance card needs to be. And again, really, you know, I know because like you mentioned, the insurance card, I got stopped a couple of years ago where um, I didn't have my insurance card, but I had it in an email. Right. I pulled it up and the officer was fine with that. Yeah. So but right. again, if I had just a really simple wireless wallet, you tap on it and it's like scroll over because the beauty of the wallet is that there's only a few things in there. Mm-hmm. And they're all really important things. But they're all really important things, you know. Yeah. And so it's a matter of just. I think the technology is already there, but I think until until I see the the app where I know, like, okay, I don't need my wallet anymore. The day that that happens, I will use Apple Pay exclusively, you know. Yeah. But right now, I can't really. I still have and, to. And my I wallet. don't see that happening with Apple Pay. Do you? I mean, I don't think no. they have the they not really the capability to make that broad. Oh, they a, have the capability. I just don't think they're going to do it. I think somebody else will come along and pull the the contactless payments together with their kind of wireless wallet solution. Right, right. You know, so I don't know. That's my thought. No, cool. Great. Well, good stuff, Patty. Thanks for that. Thank you. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by InstantQuoteTool.com. With over 30 training courses covering everything from sales objections to statement analysis, ISOs are using our learning management system to help new agents understand the industry and how to sell merchant services. Industry veterans love our courses because we dive deeper into concepts such as interchange and explore new industry trends like cash discounting, NFC, and the resurgence of American Express with the OptiBlue program. Put all of these training courses together with the leading proposal creation tool for merchant services agents in the field, and we believe our branded ISO solution and individual user package is a must-have. Visit instantquotetool.com today or email support at instantquotetool.com to learn more. So today in questions from the field, we are going to continue the conversation about contactless payments. Okay. And uh, some different questions that I've gotten. And so, you know, one of the interesting things is that there's kind of a a dichotomy or a difference here between the relevance of contactless payments in the marketplace Mm -hmm. and the relevance of contactless payments in terms of selling it. Sure. So, um, you know, 
a lot of times selling something is about having that flashy new thing, the different thing, mm -hmm. because really when you're selling what you're usually fighting, everybody's like, oh, I've got this competitor. I've got that competitor. Everybody's biggest competitor is just the status quo. Right. You know, people just don't want to change. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily about the fact that, you know, in our industry, honestly, there really isn't that much loyalty. It's not like, oh, I'm with this company, this processor, and I, I would never switch from right, them. Right. No, it's just about I don't want to switch. I don't want to switch to anybody. It's a hassle to switch. Right. I've got something that's working. They're not ripping me off that I know of, and, you know, it's going fairly well. Right. So, you know, the real thing is you got to stand out. And mm -hmm. so I want to talk today about a couple of questions that I get. So one of the big questions I get is, you know, what is the relevance of Apple Pay um, mm -hmm. in terms of sales? And so I want to talk about why I believe every agent should use Apple Pay. One thing you could do to set yourself apart in a big way is when you walk into stores, let's take a convenience store as a great example of this. Go into a convenience store near you and pick up a candy bar, mm -hmm. you know, walk up to the counter and... Go ahead and have them ring you up and then pull up Apple Pay and say, yeah, where do, how do I pay with the Apple Pay? Right. Don't tell them you're selling merchant services. Uh-huh. Watch what happens. Now, a couple of things are going to happen to you about, in my experience, 75% of the time. So 75% of the time, one of two things is going to happen. Either they're going to say, we don't take that. Right. Well, hopefully, if you know how to sell it all, you'd know what to do there, right? Right. Um, so you're going to, you know, obviously, you're going to say, really, you guys don't take Apple Pay? Boy, you know what? I should really talk to you. I actually have a credit card processing company, and we set people up with these new terminals that do take Apple Pay because I don't know if you realize this or not, but as you just mentioned, Patty, was it 36%? Right. Or currently, you're set up to do it. So you could say, you know, over a third of all U.S. businesses right now are set up to take Apple Pay. And so it's really gaining a lot of steam. Have you guys thought about accepting Apple Pay and other, you know, new forms of payment? So that's a great conversation starter. The other one that's even better uh -huh. is when they say, uh, you know what? Yeah, I know our agent said we were set up to take that or, you know, so, yeah, I think you just put it up. And guess what? It doesn't work. Right. The right. reason it doesn't work is because, yes, they got the terminal that could accept it. But it wasn't programmed. Nope. It wasn't programmed correctly. Right. Now you actually have them where it's even further. They want to accept the payment. And they can't. And they can't because in their mind, they were lied to or they were, you know, this was misinformed. Positioned in, misinformed. There, it's a good way to put right. it. Um, so in their mind, they're like, wow, you know, they said it was going to be able to accept Apple Pay, but it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And so now you have a great conversation starter. So that's a good one that you can use. Now, one of the other questions I get that's more on the technical side, Patty, that I think is interesting. I've had several agents in the last month ask me, why would I sell Apple Pay? Because then I don't get any residual on that. Mm -hmm. that, was, that was actually my first thought when you said this. And yeah. they don't understand. And so I try to explain to them, no, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. So Apple Pay runs through the Visa MasterCard networks. Right. When somebody uses Apple Pay, all they're doing is using their credit card in a digital format. Oh, I see. Right. It right. actually makes no difference at all. Sure. But this is sure. a really common misconception. And so a lot of agents yeah, are I mean, like. Yeah, I have to admit, I thought the same thing yeah. when I saw it. If you're like, why would I want to do that? It's right. And a lot of agents are like, I don't really want to offer Apple Pay. That's going to hurt my residuals. No, no, no. It, it, it has zero effect, none at all. Um, there is a small, you know, so, so think if of it this anything, way. If anything, it might actually boost your residuals because there's more people, payments. Right. Right. So, and, and you know, not, maybe not much, but a little bit. Yeah. But, but, you know, basically the way that Apple Pay makes money is Apple Pay uh, charges just like the card networks. Mm -hmm. Visa MasterCard, they have like their little uh, assessment. Right. You know what I mean? That they charge and everything. But but it still runs through the Visa MasterCard networks. So one of the big things about both, um, you know, uh, what is Google's? I can't remember else. Google it, Pay. Google Pay and then Apple Wallet. One and of the interesting Samsung Pay, I think. Samsung Pay. Mm -hmm. So all of the ones that I'm aware of anyway, they've all realized that, you know, they, they didn't want to create a whole new form of payment really. 
Sure. They didn't want to create, you know, they Visa. They just wanted to ride on the r- existing rails. Exactly. So sure. the existing rails are already Visa and MasterCard. And so a lot of people don't understand that. And so, you know, and even merchants a lot of times are like, well, then how do I get my money if I accept Apple Pay? Does Apple send me? No, 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 no. It's there's it's nothing different. Just imagine somebody's using their card. It's just that they put their card into their phone. It's just a different form factor. Yeah, it, it's like what I tell people. What I tell the way I explain to a merchant is this: I say, look, if somebody swipes their card or inserts their card, mm-hmm. you understand that the data you're getting is the card number, the expiration date, and the CVC code, and all that, mm-hmm. so that you can process the payment, right? And they're right. like, yes. I say. Apple Pay, it does exactly the same thing. You're just digitally giving the terminal that information through Apple Pay. Apple Pay is securely storing the same data you would get if you inserted the card or swiped it. Right. And it's just transferring or communicating that data to your terminal uh, you know, with contactless form. So who pays the fee to Apple Pay? So the fee to Apple Pay is paid. That's actually a really good question. The acquirer would be the one that would actually have to pay it. That's what I would think. Yeah. Yes. And so, again, the interchange rate for the merchant, kind of like Amex or something, right. the interchange rate for the merchant it's gonna be uh, a well, little it, bit higher. It wouldn't be called interchange, but you know what I mean? Right. The cost of the merchant might be a little higher. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, obviously, the merchant is paying it. You know, sure. but again, it's very tiny. It's it's not. I need should have done more research on it. Yeah. Maybe in the future. No, one but we can we'll do have to look into and, that. I'll yeah. look into that myself. But I know, I know, I, it's I know it's you know minuscule. It's not a it's mm-hmm. not a deciding factor. Yeah. But yeah, it would be the acquirer that would pay it just like any other cost. Yeah. So it's pretty neat actually that that you could just go out there and and, and do if you're boost Apple and pay. for the merchant if you're boosting sales because let's go to your example. I go in and I buy myself a soda. Right. I go to use my Apple. Oh, I can't use that. Well, then right. the heck with it. I'll put my soda back and. Yep go someplace else. Yep. Right? And so again, whenever you can find something where you know that your odds of um you know, you know that your odds of being able to have a good conversation are 70%. Right. That's a good that's thing. That's a good to pitch. thing. Exactly. And sure. and the other thing too is usually you can tell the other 30% because if they are actually set up to take Apple Pay, the processor probably took a lot of pride in that and they probably have a little Apple Pay little sign in the door. Sign, right. You know what I mean? Something there. If you don't see that, you can be pretty sure that they're not taking Apple Pay. Right, right, right. And and I have to admit, I mean, I see like I said, I see it in maybe coffee shops and a few right. places like that. But I don't in Maryland I don't see a lot of yeah. those signs. Yeah, and I mean, I'm starting to see them more and more. I think it is there is that traction that's being gained. And again, the more traction there is, the more merchants are realizing, wow, this is the next thing. And again, you know, a lot of merchants like that pitch and let them know it's the younger generation that's, you know, do, who do you want coming into who do you, who do you want coming into your shop as a right. new customer? The millennials, yeah, of course. Yeah, do you want a 25 year old or do you want a 70 year old? Right. Obviously, a 25 year old is going to shop for a lot longer in your store for a longer mm-hmm. period of time. You want to mm-hmm. get that younger demographic in here. Right. And the way to do that is to be able to accept these new forms of payment um, that are out there mm-hmm. and so you need to be set up to take those even if you don't you know even if you only lose a couple sales here and there why would you lose those sales it doesn't cost anything exactly there's no monthly fee for apple pay right like it just when they use their card you pay the cost it's just like anything else well you know it, it just goes back to what we've talked a lot about and what i even said in my in my insider notes you know it's like this is just one more one more method yeah exactly one more method one that more gets arrow in the quiver in the quiver <laughs> exactly yeah. i mean you know merchants are in the business to sell things. I, I Paul Green used to say to me, you know, if they could figure out a way to monetize puka se- shells, they take puka shells. Right. Right. right I right. mean, all they, they want, just want to make money. They just want to make money. Right. Absolutely. And and they want to and they want to give that level of convenience to their customers. And I think too, it's like a it's like a branding thing, right? It's like you know, we're the kind. You know, you you know, I tell merchants all the time, it's like you want to be the kind of business that accepts Apple Pay. Mm-hmm. Whether or not people are going to use Apple Pay, when a young person comes in, you want to be the kind of business where they're like, 
oh, look at that. Look this at is that. Uh, this is something that keeps up with the times. Yes. You know yes. what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're they're aware of what's happening in the marketplace. They're trying to keep up, and that's what attracts that younger demographic. Yeah, I think so. Good stuff. James. Cool. Awesome. All right, everybody. That's your questions from the field for the day. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production from greensheet.com and ccsalespro.com. We hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.